Grone Geeks, welcome back. We have admins here for Loki, episode 6, season 1, finale. If you have not seen the episode, do not watch past this point. All spoilers, all cutthroat, need to see the episode to fully understand what we'll be talking about as we recap what's going on. I feel like there'll be some red string moving forward in the future. Just dropping that little teaser now, see how things play out. Be sure to hit that like button. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Be sure to hit that notification bell so you get notified every time we drop plenty of content because we have a rotation right now that is just absolutely on point. Schedule's going great. All thanks to the man, the myth, the marvel up top, Will Parker. How you doing, sir? Not bad, not bad. I am doing very well. And I am your Brent variant, staying up all hours of the night to make sure that all this Loki content gets posted rapidly, and we all have great stuff to enjoy. And be sure to also check out our anchor.fm slash geeks for the audio-only content where you don't have to look at us, you just hear our sultry voices talk to you, all things geek, with some sports every once in a while. But without further ado, let's get down to the meat and the potatoes of this episode. We've already let that chicken marinate for six episodes. We're about to pull that son of a gun right out that oven. We're going to talk about some things. All things considered, how'd you like the episode? I liked the way everything went. So from the way it started off with, you know, the overlapping voices and stuff like that, and again, felt like the timeline was crashing into each other because everybody's talking and stuff like that at once. Uh, all the way to the 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 stamp. Literally, they put on the end. Uh, it was definitely the the last part of the exclamation point to a fantastic episode. So I'm very pleased with what they do, and I got something that I was not expecting this soon. So I'm more than pleased. I was very pleased too. I was just curious that they went with Captain America's music. As the whole start of everything, the whole slow-mo music of him that he danced with Peggy to, as they went with that, as opposed to, you know, coming out with something more akin to what Iron Man would have come out to, like some ACDC or something like that. But I mean, it was ridiculously, almost Marvel was feeling themselves a bit. They were showing the wide range of content that they put out throughout the years and all the good movies and just throwing out all the highlights and the main points of stuff that you, the viewer, if you've been paying attention to the cinematic universe at all, would know off the top of your head. They hit all the highlights right then and there. You you heard all the voices. You knew who it was. You knew from what movie it was. You could pick out the scenes. It was very, very well done. And I am very happy that I was actually right about something. I said in the beginning that Loki was going to be a great series. Not all of us, because we can't. We started this series with four of us. Now we're down to two. But not all of us were as hyped for Loki as maybe we should have been. And all things considered for a season one, I think this may have been the best Marvel show on their Disney Plus platform so far. Is that fair to say? Uh, I gotta agree. I'll be honest, when I came in, uh, I was hyped for all the shows with that. Uh, Loki, I was actually hyped for, um, I would say I put that at number two. So that my primary hype was 
uh, with WandaVision because I know how powerful Wanda can get about that. But uh, I definitely got to say that even with all the Emmy nominations and stuff like that, that uh, Marvel shows have been getting and stuff like that so far, um, Loki still, for me, is by far the best of the series, of the three sets of shows and stuff like that. And just the way that they set up so much because everything is starting to tie in and stuff like that. And a lot of people realize, like, freaking WandaVision tied in towards the events of Endgame, stuff like that. And then you've got Falcon and Winter Soldier, which ties into uh, a couple different movies and stuff like that, which I'm not going to give any spoilers and stuff like that, but it ties into uh, some of the recent content and stuff like that. And then Loki is setting itself up as a prequel to some other stuff that's about to happen. So uh, all this is thought out very well. Uh, Feige has been on point with getting this 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 train rolling in the beginning and stuff like that. And look, they have no signs of slowing down. This this shit is fantastic. Yeah, they've literally taken a bread and butter formula, and literally Feige is our man behind the curtain. And he has orchestrated everything, and everything has gone exactly as he's foreseen. And with that in mind, we start this episode in the castle in the middle of just past the void. At the end of time would probably be the proper way of phrasing it. The Sylvie and Loki have their discussion. She's just like, hey, give me a minute. Like, literally, this is the ultimate finale for my journey. We made it. Everything I've done has led to this moment. Like, hey, give me a moment. Doors swing open, they enter. We get greeted by the amazing voice talent that is once again Tara Strong with Miss Minutes. It's playing Who Wants to Make a Deal? And I have to say, uh, I was not expecting that. Like, I know Miss Minutes knew more than what she let on, but, like, to this extent, no. No, we, we knew Miss Minutes was up to some stuff from last episode, the way she was stalling for Ravona and stuff like that. Um, but, again, she's also working for him, which she didn't say specifically who him was. We can all assume and speculate, but we know what that gets us sometimes with Marvel. But, um, yeah, I still think Miss Minutes has an alternate agenda and so at that. And, uh, again, it's, I don't think it's not necessarily her agenda, but it's someone's agenda. So stuff is, is about to go down and stuff with her. But, yeah, I didn't expect her to be in there in the Citadel and so at that. But her trying to cut the deal and do all this stuff just seemed pretty standard for her now with, you know, how she was acting the, uh, the last episode. If he played the game Among Us, she was acting sus. There were there, there were little breadcrumbs throughout, and it was like Tara Strong did a good job through that. And then, as they deal with Tara Strong, Miss Minutes, and they go through, they enter another atrium, and there it was, a giant circle surrounded by four statues. However, there's only three statues fully intact. Can you uh, kind of break down what went with that fourth statue? Because we've always been led to believe, at least through this TV show, that there were only three top keepers. So the way that it works and stuff like that with uh, a lot of this was 
we can't do we can't go that far without making sure that we introduce um he who remains so in this episode we have the great jonathan majors who has been cast as king the conqueror so that show up in this episode as he who remains and various other names including jerk so that that he's you know mentioned now the thing about he who remains but that he who remains you know has been you know the one who assisted in the births of the timekeepers and has always been there to guard the flow of time like that's just he's always been traditionally he's like a yellow guy and so yellow oldish hell and so like that so what's thing so um, of course, in Marvel fashion, so like that because the cinematic universe is, is their time, and not everything's going to be the same. So basically, it seems like we have this guy, he who remains, who explains later on in the episode that he is one of multiple variants and so like that of himself, so like that, but he's the one, the first variant that guards all this stuff and, and keeps. The other variants elsewhere so that and we'll get talk more about them later so that but he created you know he who remains the one who created the timekeepers so it's essential to say that jonathan major's character as he who remains also created the timekeepers when he created them he created four and the reason we only see three and stuff like that is because at some point in time one of those timekeepers was banished to egypt in 2950 BC. And I think that that's the broken statue. So that, you know, it's like banished, upset, freaking smash the statue, whatever the case may be. So whoever the timekeepers actually are, not those animatronic puppets that we saw, but there's actual four beings and stuff like that who were the timekeepers. And we don't know where the other three are. Uh, for all we know, this variant, you know, version or this he who remains could have usurped freaking the other actual he who remains and just took on the name and locked up the other timekeepers. Uh, the timekeepers could be there in some other capacity doing something else. This thing can go all over the place. And there's we'll so much string to a Yeah, there's so much string to unravel. And trust me, y'all know me, I will get to unraveling this string. But again, freaking timekeepers, time twisters, and other things that are in the comics and stuff like that constantly vying for power like they kept going back and forth so that's got something to do with it and we'll have to see how much more of the lore that they bring in to further whatever story they're trying to tell yeah the crazy thing about all of this is that he who remains or kang if you will i know they haven't said anything but he did name drop conqueror so i feel like they might have a twist, but again, red string. There's so only so much information we have. We're grasping at whatever little straw of evidence we have and trying to pull on it to get to the bottom of what Marvel is trying to feed us. And it was just crazy that they had one guy plan out literally every single event that happened not only throughout this well in the not only throughout loki but throughout the cinematic universe and have everything lead to this penultimate moment with two variants who are known as gods of mischief 
so, and more or less are just characters who are very anarchistic. They just do what they want to do when they want to do it, and there's no really rhyme or reason 90% of the time to what they do. As they said in the DC universe, like when they were describing Joker, I'm just a dog chasing cars. Lokis are just people chasing power. And how they assess that term of power is usually different, which is why you have your different variants. So it, it was just crazy to see that Marvel was willing to veil back such a powerful character for this cinematic phase, it's almost like a full rebirth of everything we've known and come and understood throughout the different phases that we have gone through in this journey. And Jonathan Majors, for me, he very much impressed throughout the whole episode. I was, he did a great job of act, acting like he was literally on the frisk of insanity, but also ridiculously in charge of just, yeah, I know what's going to happen. What's it matter? Do whatever the hell you want. My plan will work either way, with or without you. No no disrespect to to either of the, the actors and stuff like that. Freaking, like, Sophie, freaking, and uh, Tom, like, but Majors, he did his thing. Like, he did it well. He made his debut fantastical like freaking like i felt every moment of it so like that and i won't say yeah, he he carried this is with that freaking by default so like that but he sold the show but, but it, it it purposely was his show like they were just they were side players to this point so like that he had to explain and let us know what was going on and because he was in charge he had to be in charge of in that moment in that episode so like that and it felt so right how he performed throughout that entire thing like it was fantastic so yes Jonathan Majors this thing like I'll be singing his praises freaking all week because like when they had the conversation he was spoon feeding them the information to get them to come to conclusions that he, he wanted when he when one of them tried getting out of line and trying to challenge him he would snap posture up speak louder and speak with a condescending tone of voice and then he'd lead the conversation exactly back to where he wanted to. He was posturing his audience and just leading them to exactly where he needed to be. And I mean, like, I'm sure it helps, obviously, that, you know, he had a printout of everything that was going to go on. But you still have to be able to go out and execute what his game plan or master strategy or whatever the hell's even going on. Because, I mean, this whole series has been a loopy concept but just executed so dang well because once you get into a multiversal theory as we've seen with different entities and different properties and IPs and all that, it is so hard to accurately deliver the goods on that, which is one of your main concerns though, going throughout this phase was, hey, how are you gonna execute this? We've seen a lot of great ideas on paper and in theory, but as far as putting it out in a way that the average viewer can appreciate, understand, and then just get with and get behind. It's been a mixed bag, and th there's a lot of stuff to go through with that. Um, as we broke down more of that conversation that was going on, I feel like when they had the whole elevator opening and Jonathan Majors just sitting in there, it felt a really akin to Wizard of Oz. 
when they finally veil back the curtain, there's just a random dude back there who's, you know, just your average guy. But obviously in the cinematic universe, he who remains, not your average bear. And then as they were having that conversation in the, uh, He Who Remains office, was I the only one that got the whole Mickey Mouse ears thing? Like, Because you have He Who Remains at the desk, you have that giant circle like this, and then you have the two ears, the two circles there. And I was just like, the way this camera shot is set up, that is just Disney being like, yep, we did this. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it after you mentioned it, so I thought I was like, "Huh, yeah, is there?" It, it's it's subtle. It's not freaking in your face, overpowering. Yeah, but yeah, you, you definitely. Because I I also want to know what's on that board in the back. Yeah. Because every time um, they panned to Loki, there was like they took four different shots that all showed the same board with squiggly marks, lines, and then eventually you had a circle at the bottom, like someone had figured out an equation to something. Maybe another Mobius strip. I don't know. I'm not really scientifically inclined, but there there was something there, and I'm sure someone will take the time to zoom in, figure it out, give us some details, try and figure out what that is. Someone who's much smarter or much better uh, with tech than I am will figure that out. But I want answers to that. Um... And as the conversation broke down, we had our Loki from the beginning, Tom Hiddleston, the one who cannot be trusted, with Sylvie, the Loki who's doesn't, who is incapable of trusting. Did you like how their fight played out? I It actually played out how I thought it was going to play out, uh, minus the... Uh... The teleportation, I figured she was going to get the other hand and make the uh, make the kill anyway. Uh, I think he more or less uh, foreshadowed his own death. Like, hey, like no matter what, I'm coming back at some point. So it's like, cool, well, just kill him and have him come back. So with that, and I think she's going to realize now it's going to be unfinished business as far as what she needs to do because again. We've seen for the past couple of timelines have been branching. Stuff is still happening. Um, and I wonder now that she's completed her mission. What's the next objective? What role is she gonna play now? Like what is her purpose? What is her glorious purpose? Well, we all love is at it. So um it's funny now that we're talking about it, but I didn't think about it initially when I saw the episode. It felt almost though like he who remains before we got that fight scene was offering them free will to claim their spot even though knowing the whole entire time in the back of his head he was gonna get murdered but he would come back but he offered it up in such a manner that you thought oh yeah this is all my doing this isn't you leading me into this. Like, it's the illusion of free will, which is what they talked about in the Avengers when Loki first went to Earth and he was like, free will is just an illusion. We're all trying to search for somebody that we can worship as our leader and just follow behind. And it's kind of funny that Loki's now literally 
basically knee bent to Jonathan Majors, he who remains like this. It's kind of funny how like we always have like kind of just a brainstorming session pre-show trying to talk about some stuff. But until we really get into the breakdown, some of the stuff that will actually come out are just like, huh, you connect some of that red string that's just free hanging because they were very, very um, stingy with the red string this time. It wasn't until episode five, six that we really got some major, major uh, breadcrumbs there. Um, let's see. And then as the episode breaks down, Sylvie gets her kill. And we finally get to see where Loki got pushed through the portal by Sylvie. And the person who, who, cannot be tr who can't trust anyone betrays the person who cannot be trusted. Loki's at the TVA running around, just running past everybody trying to do his thing. He runs into Mobius and B-15. Breaks down everything that's been going on from our perspective. Only to be hit with the, who the hell are you? Yeah. What are you talking about? That threw me for a hell of a loop. Only for them to pan out. And none other... Then he who remains statue, just chilling in the background of the TVA now. Look, I'm calling that one Kang. That one looks like it's Kang. Freaking. Is there anything else that you feel like we missed? We need to discuss. We need to talk about some red string. You kind of want to leak I out mean, before we have that episode. I'm pretty sure there's some things that freaking I probably missed with that. And when I go back and rewatch it for the fifth time, like I always do, so like that, because uh, I'm going to watch it with, you know, everybody else, so like that, I'm going to pick up on a few more things and we'll have more to talk about during Red String and we'll cover that. But, um, uh, hey, we know that freaking we got the stamp of approval for Loki season two. This story is going to continue. And <clears throat> depending on when this continues to that because we're still waiting on multiverse of madness and we don't have a release date for that uh, i'm pretty confident that loki season two could drop next year so like that and then the following year we get multiverse of madness and it kind of brings everything full circle so it, it there's a lot of good content around the corner and i'm very hyped for where they're going with it and the uh, list of characters and stories that they're pulling out of their bag and willing to really, really delve into. There's a lot of stuff I'd love to red string, but I'm not as proficient at tying my red strings up as some of the other panelists that we have. So I need to keep some of it pretty close to the vest. Overall, this series was phenomenal. Um, I'm very much looking forward to anything they have coming next. Uh, I hope Kang is as ruthless and as calculated as Majors has portrayed. I don't know much about the character comically, and I know the MCU and comics are sometimes pretty close, sometimes very far away, but what little I do understand about Kang, this dude is not to be trifled with. And oh no, him nor his, his woman, Ravona, which we see some stuff going on with her, but it's not much to talk about just yet. We just we just know she's a variant, and we're waiting to see. 
there, there's a lot of big stuff around the corner, and I am very, very excited for some more Marvel content, and uh, can't wait to discuss it further with you in our panel of experts we have here at Grown A Geeks. Um, uh, I feel like that's a pretty much a good point as any to wrap up. We have the man, the myth, the marvel, Will Parker. Thank you for your time. I know it's very late, your time right now, currently. Yeah, Fabian. Yeah. We got this. And then I have been your host, Variant. I'm basically your Variant version of Jeffrey, I guess, would be the way of saying it. Um, thank you for checking out the video. Be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get all the updated content you can possibly handle and be sure to check out anchor.fm slash geeks for the audio only version of the content where recently we have passed over 1,000 listens with many many more to come because we're going to put up tons more piping hot content for each and one of every one of you thank you for your time folks Thank you for listening to Grownate Geeks on your preferred streaming service. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and YouTube, both under Grownate Geeks.